Welcome back to episode 129 of Chess Journeys, Tales of Adult Improvement. Here on Chess Journeys, we love to pursue the glories of rating gain, but we also dive into the normal plateaus and perhaps even that below that, the pits of despair. If you want to support the show, you can go to Patreon Chess Journeys. I want to thank our queen level supporters, Wondergo, Tim Everett, Scott D4B6, Joe, Matt Bush, Jay Garrison, Donna Rich Burgess, Brandon Hallside, Jeff Peterson, Tobias Rex, Bob Berger, Nicholas Harrigan, Rich, Bradley Fenner, Fletcher Ray, Nathan Pearson, Christian Glaw, and King-level supporter Ian Samples. Turns out when I'm not feeling well, that's really hard to do just in one breath. So I don't know. You should be impressed out there. Um, if you want to appear on this show, a great way to do this is to fill out the Google form in the show notes. We do all want to hear your story. You can also DM me on Twitter. That's a great way to get a hold of me. And if you're interested in Noel Studer's Next Level Training Program, well, there's a code in the show notes to help you uh, get a little discount and support the show. All right. I'm excited to bring on our guest this week. We have Will. He's a dedicated chess improver. He's a family man with a demanding career and other hobbies. And despite all these distractions, Will has managed to lift his rating from 1,000 to 2,000 in just two years. Will, impressive stuff. Uh, and have you had a chance to play any chess yet today? <laughs> yeah yeah thanks very much kevin um i have played i think three games today just blitz so very okay. quick okay when you say just blitz what's your time control for blitz <laughs> um i just do what i think is the sort of the standard five minutes no increment um just okay. kind of bang them out five minutes yeah. no increment and do you do do you do anything with them do you look at them or you just bang them out and move on with your life for longer time controls, like rapid plus, like um, or over the board, I will usually um, go back through the game in some amount of detail, which is typically, um, I, I would say, proportional to how long the game is, like longer game, more analysis. Yeah. Um, with Blitz right now, they're, they're a little just kind of quicker, almost treating them like puzzles. B my Blitz rating, I don't take quite as seriously yet, um, for sure. Okay. Um, and so what's the point then in playing the games if you're not looking at them? Do you feel like you're still able to get information out of it? You're able to kind of work on your like tactical abilities from these games? Yeah, I would say it's almost treating it a little bit like a puzzle um, where it's just kind of um, fighting the cobwebs a little bit and mm. um, just enjoying a game um, and maybe not quite as having the um, intense competitive pressure that some of the other games I'm playing um, frequently have wait you said this weird thing just enjoying the game i didn't know you could do that with chess you can just have fun with chess that sounds great uh, that, that's what they tell me and uh i try to do that every now and again okay. i guess all right i guess maybe i'll have to try it sometime i don't anytime i'm like today i'm just gonna play some blitz and i'm not gonna worry i play a game then i'm like i gotta analyze this game so I, I have a really hard time just not looking at the game. I don't go deep, right? Like you said, it's proportional to the length of the games, but still, I, I feel compelled to look at it for some reason. Oh, well. Probably right. a good thing. <laughs> well, let's start with your, your background here with chess. Did you play it all as a kid? I know you're pretty new to chess this time around, but do you have any previous stints with chess? Yeah, so I'll, I'll give a, maybe a quick um, overview. Um like many people, I learned to play when I was a kid. And learning to play really just means um, how the pieces moved. I knew the knight made kind of an L shape. The bishop did little diagonals around the board. 
Um, and that was about it. And I learned from my dad. He was a kind of part-time professor. He would have students over to our house sometimes when I was very young and they would all hang out. And sometimes they would play chess and I would wander over to the board and kind of watch. And um, it was really interesting. And I was almost like, remember being captivated by it and um, really, but really just learned how the pieces moved. Hmm. Um, from there, got very into sports. Um, and that kind of took over. And for the next uh, 25 plus years, the well, little chess knowledge I had definitely laid dormant um, until really a couple of years ago when I revisited the game and um, kind of went on the path I'm on now. Let me ask you about dad. Was dad an actual chess player or was he just a dude that liked chess? No. <laughs> um, a dude that liked chess is like a generous way to phrase it even. I think he, he you know, he, he kind of just knew how the moves um, how the pieces moved as well. Um, but, but I'm still very grateful for that. Like um, I'd be curious to get your thoughts and I'm curious what others think too, where I do have kind of this lurking suspicion that even just learning how the pieces moved as a kid, mm -hmm. it did help me as a, as an adult getting into it um, to start maybe at even just a little higher um, floor and, and be able to improve. But there's something I've always wondered. Yeah, it's definitely something I've heard on various podcasts as well with like these brain scientists where there seems to be, I don't know how much data, but at least some idea that like, if your brain gets wired for chess early, even with just knowing how the pieces move, you know, you've kind right. of like got that wiring in place versus having to fully rewire your brain as adult. I, I don't know. I'm not a brain scientist over here, but <laughs> it, it does uh, sort of ring true to me to, to some degree, at least. All right. Well, um, what made of you, what motivated you to get into the game for real then? It sounds like you got into the game about two years ago. Was there a big moment for you? Was it just some little things that happened? What, what got you thinking like, I should play this chess. This seems great. Yeah. So I would say it was a couple of factors. Um, so I was living in New York at the time and it was kind of during the dark ages of COVID mm -hmm. where you couldn't really go outside a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And I had a job where I was working a ton. Um, so I was kind of always in front of the computer and a, you know, any type of hobby that I could maybe do even for five, 10 minutes in between like a work call or a project um, would work really well because I could still be at the computer. And if I had to quickly like eject into work, you know, um, that was doable. Um, I would say at the same time, you know, Queen's Gambit was coming out, right? It's, I feel like it's almost cliche at this point, but it was this sort of, you know, reminder of this game that I really enjoyed that I'd completely forgotten about. Yeah. Um, and I would say too, um, just with social media, you know, it was kind of like, you know, I play maybe a couple chess games and I might pull up Instagram to mindlessly scroll and like a Levy Gotham chess video might come up or you know, some of those first chess sort of influencers, at least to my understanding, were popping up. And so it was like, I'm always inside. I'm always in front of a computer. I just saw Queen's Gambit. I'm seeing all these chess people. I really liked this game when I was a kid. Like putting that all together, it was like, okay, maybe I actually want to get into this a little bit more. Hmm. Um, I would say to start, it was, you know, extremely informal. And it was, you know, playing a game after a couple beers, playing a game after, um, you know, playing a game while doing many other things. You know, it, it was not the way you should play chess, but at least I guess got my uh, foot in the door to get going. Gotcha. All right. How deep, how fast did you go? Was it just kind of like just dabbling a little bit? 
you search like chess and you see Gotham and you watch a couple videos. Like how, what was this early process like for you? Yeah, maybe I would break it into two stages. I would say the first stage started um, at a pretty good clip, but not like all in, like it eventually became. Um, um, and partially was because I was still working that job, right? And I was quite mm -hmm. busy and there was limited capacity for me to go off on like a five hour chess binge um, at my leisure. Um, ultimately, I ended up moving to a different job and it's still um, quite busy, but not quite as crazy as the last job. And I, I think too, there's there's definitely part of that sort of leftover horsepower or whatever you want to call it from the last job that had to be deployed somewhere that was still like, you know, you still, um, you don't just like turn off the switch. Like I've been working very hard. I'm going to um, just like stop forever. Um, so there was definitely some leftovers that I, I then plowed into the stage two of chess. And that's where things really started to pick up, which was maybe at like three to six months after that initial mm. period. Okay. Um, so for the first yeah. three to six months, you're enjoying it. It's kind of like an in-between thing when you have a little downtime. Um, have you started watching any videos or anything? Is it mostly just playing some games for fun? I would say that was the one other thing I actually was doing in that in that phase one. I was watching the videos, okay. um, which I found and continue to find really helpful. Mm -hmm. um, just I didn't realize how many um, free, really helpful resources were out there. Um, <laughs> yeah, like the Levy videos, even the no, I know like he puts out all, all types of types of stuff, but his like how to win a chess series. Um, I've probably seen all twenty. I forget how many there are now, maybe 26, 24 mm -hmm. of those videos, at least like three or four times a piece. Um, and just having that luxury of an extremely talented player walking through their thought process live against players at my level, a little above me, way above me, um, mm -hmm. was super helpful. And it gave me a lot of stuff to go look up because I would hear it be like, oh, Night Fork. And I was like, I don't even know what a fork is. You know, at that point, I didn't even know what that was. But then, you know, you look right. it up. He's like, oh, I played the Karo Khan. This is like my most trusted opening. You're like, oh, well, what's that? Uh, I've never even heard of that one. Um, and you go and look it up. And that was, those videos really helped me snowball into um, kind of a learning process um, from there. Gotcha. Okay. So a lot of Gotham early, a lot of playing. Where's your rating at this point? So you're like doing a little bit. Uh, where's, where's the sort of initial rating settling? Yeah, so at the very beginning, I was probably give or take a thousand. By this point, I was maybe thirteen, fourteen hundred. Um, oh, wow. So kind of just getting by on um, probably like accidental tactics I was using <laughs> that I didn't even know mm -hmm. were um, proper tactics. Um, a very very scant um, opening repertoire that that would consisted of like one or two moves that were, and then like just going off on like fives um <laughs> and zero end game knowledge like okay and, and not a lot of checkmate knowledge either like if i didn't have a ladder mate i was yeah. it was going to be a, a tough test for me <laughs> <laughs> and is this chess.com rating is that what we're talking about yes yes okay. this is all because this is that's pretty impressive stuff to get that quickly to you know 13 1400 chess.com without going that deep like that that's a pretty 
uh that's that's pretty amazing actually because like a lot of people really struggle to get there even with extensive study so so that's pretty impressive stuff were you yep. mostly playing in this period uh rapid or blitz really only rapid and my initial plan going into it and, and i have no idea if this is if this is smart or, or stupid but i was like blitz is really fun but it feels like i'm really going off of um kind of very short calculations and mm -hmm. intuition. Um, even though rapid's not that much longer, it felt like um, over the long term, it would get me maybe in a little bit better habits as I got better. Um, so it felt like I was striking a good balance. Okay, that's cool. Uh, my personal thought is like, you should play the fastest time control you should play, especially as a newer player, is one where you feel in control, right? And so yeah. if... Like you can play 5-0 and feel totally in control of your games, and that's great. But you know, a lot of newer players, it's like Blitz is a really out of control experience, yeah. right? You're like, I don't know anything about chess. I'm just winging pieces, and you're like, maybe, maybe Blitz isn't. You're not ready for Blitz yet. Maybe slow down a little bit. Yeah, at that point, Rapid was uh, barely. I was barely, you know, hanging on for the ride in the uh, in that. I totally get that. Okay, so so you're at like 13, 1400 without doing a lot other than watching Gotham videos. You said then you sort of shift into like more hardcore mode. Uh, what is that? I, I guess before that, how much time do you think you're spending like um, a day or a week in your like not as much time mode? Yeah, in that initial phase, it was maybe, I would say maybe on average an hour a day. Mm, okay. and mostly playing with maybe a video here and there some days zero maybe some days two plus hours but maybe like an hour okay so like an average of an hour and it sounds like you're doing the mostly playing method okay so now you get this new job and you're like oh i've got all this leftover like research energy and hard working um what did you shift into then with this new phase yeah yeah it's a very interesting question. Um, I think at that point too, I was kind of realizing just how much depth there was to chess as well, hmm. where I had learned just enough to truly realize I knew nothing. <laughs> and it was daunting, but also exciting. Yeah. Um, and I think the thing I was most excited about and probably still continue to be most excited about for better or worse in terms of learning chess was, were, was openings. Hmm. Okay. Um, I really liked um, learning openings and I now had the time to do that. There were all these great videos and courses out there. Um, and it just felt like something that could really impact my game where I, I really knew nothing. I was losing a lot of the games from the start. And I really liked the idea of like, I could learn or in some cases just memorize um, a set of moves and just be good to go from the start. Like get an initiative out of the start, get an advantage out of the start yeah. and just press from there. Um, that was a huge draw. And I think also, um, I've always kind of wondered, I'm curious if others would agree with this, that there's definitely an appeal to me about openings where it kind of lets you overlay your own kind of chess identity or chess narrative onto your game where yeah. you're like, I'm a swashbuckling attacking player. I play, you know, E4 like gambits or like I'm very solid and like, like to be in control and take it easy and, and nurture a small advantage. I play the Catalan. Mm -hmm. And there's all these different like styles you can kind of work into your openings, um, which I pr just think is cool. Um, 
And I suspect others in chess um, probably like that about openings too. But. Yeah, I think it's a really cool part of chess. I feel like the danger is labeling yourself early, right? Where Definitely. Like, <laughs> I'm a swashbuckler. And you're like, what's your evidence for that? And you're like, I think it's cool. <laughs> and you're like, um, okay. exactly. Like that you might not be though. 100% agree. There was a, definitely a lot of discovery, like for me too, because I did a lot of this alone. And, you know, you start to think things on your own, then you, then you learn a lot. And like so yeah. much of my, I would call it like 1250 to maybe 1750 writing um, climb. A lot of that was just crazy E4 games with like wild gambits going mm. for crazy sacrifices and checkmates. And I learned a lot doing that. Um, mm. I learned a lot tactically and like how to survive in those games. But I also learned like <laughs> that can be a pretty dangerous way to play. And uh, it, it doesn't always work out so great. You know, okay. so you can't always like, attack either. You have to play the board, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it sounds <laughs> like you spent quite a bit of time in that period sort of working on an aggressive opening that felt like it suited how you wanted to play chess. Did you supplement that with a lot of tactical training to make sure that you were like really able to execute this style that you wanted to play? Very good question. And I would say probably not enough <laughs> in retrospect. <laughs> Between, I will say I was playing a lot of games. And so I did get a lot of reps in those games with mm -hmm. um, attempting tactics. <laughs> sometimes they were working, sometimes they were failing horrifically. Um, I was doing a good amount of puzzles in parallel. I've always had kind of mixed feelings with puzzles where I like to, if, if I'm doing puzzles, I like to try to do ones that um, are either from a book or a course that naturally arise in openings I'm playing. Um, um, just given there's such a wide array, right, of puzzles out there. Yeah. And like net net, it's always good to like work on a puzzle. Like you're not like losing anything. But mm -hmm. um, I do wonder if you're like trying to do maybe more targeted puzzles. Like like I have this book, like Karakhan Tactics, because I play the Karakhan. And it, um, like so a, a lot of those have come up in my games. And it's, it's like, it probably gives me... Um, you know, the person I'm playing might think, oh, this guy's like really good at tactics, when in reality, I'm just more familiar with a narrower set of tactics that show up in, in games I play, you know? Um, yeah, that makes a lot of so sense. That, so that's one approach I've tried to have with puzzles um, over time with mixed mm -hmm. results. Have you done anything like um, on Lee Chess, you can have it do puzzles by opening? Have you tried anything like that? Or do you mostly stick with like uh, courses and books? Um. Really just the latter and not intentionally. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's really kind of silly. It's like, I started on chess.com. I just got pulled into their ecosystem. I've always played on chess.com. Yeah. I'm sure Lee chess is great too. I've just, for whatever reason, not really checked it out, Yeah, which yeah, is probably sure. silly. But. Okay. That's cool. I, I really like this idea of um, doing puzzles that are sort of coming out of your opening. I think that's, I think that's one of the really useful things about openings. I think for me personally, I feel like when you're at a lower level, memorizing piles and piles of moves is not quite as valuable as like learning the plans, learning the types of tactics, learning the potential end game structures that come out. I, I think those are uh, really valuable. Did you do a lot of that work or was it mostly kind of like memorizing, you know, eight to 12 moves deep and just a lot of different lines? I, I really tried to keep it to the former of understanding the actual ideas. Um, oh, okay. 
And I would say the, the videos that often come with these opening courses now, those are really helpful for that, right? Where if you're just clicking through the moves in a move trainer with no context, you're going to just run into issues. Um, where if you have like, a, you know, a really good chess player kind of narrating along the way, like, this is why we're making this move. This is where this leads. This is a common plan. This is what you should be looking for. This is a misstep that you got to avoid. Like that context I found really helpful. Um, and, and so tried to implement that um, whenever I could. And, and I think you make a really good point too on just opening study in general. One thing I found really helpful about sunny openings is just like, you have a sense going to the middle game of where things are actually going. You're, you're like, you just have some general plans at least to think about um, versus having to, you know, recreate the wheel on the fly in a 10 minute game, which is probably not going to end super great. Yeah. I mean, it's even hard to do that in a over the board classical game, right? Like whenever I hit a middle game out of an opening and I realize like, Oh wow, I don't really know the plan. It's very disconcerting. Right. Cause I'm just like, totally staring at a board where I'm like, I've got like nine options here. They all seem fine. Clearly one or two of them is what I've been working towards. And I don't know. Uh, that that's that's very challenging to just recreate that on the fly like, like you said that, that's really tough okay so it sounds like you put some time into openings you're doing it in a robust way you're probably learning some lines you're getting some plans you're getting some um, tactics out of them um, what openings are you playing in this period so you said you're playing like e4 gambits what are you playing against d4 are you just bored and you're angry that they played d4 yeah Against D4 um, as black, I was I was playing a very demented version of the Budapest Gambit um, oh, okay. that uh, <laughs> usually did not end so good. Like, I think if I went back into the data and, and, and sifted through it, my D4 performance was probably really bad at that time. Um, and and that's not even getting into things like, you know, C4, you know, which, which was literally just like, well, uh, let's just make a move and see what happens. So, <laughs> Yeah, openings are funny that way. My daughter still, if anyone ever plays D4 against her, she's like, you're a monster. Like, what kind of monster <laughs> would play D4? What is wrong with you? Uh, like, we'll play, like, I'll play blindfold. And she'll even, in those games, she's even like, you can't play D4. I'm like, wow, okay, I'm already at a big disadvantage. You're going to win either way. But no, no, no D4. Nope, good stuff. Okay. So we've gotten some tactics work in directly associated with openings. What about strategy books? Have you tackled any strategy courses or books or strategy just kind of like evolving out of your opening study? You're picking it up here and there in videos and your games. Like what's your strategy work looking like? Yeah. In retrospect, I probably wasn't quite as intentional on strategy work as I could have been. Mm. I think a lot of that just fell out of, the videos I was watching and the opening study I was doing. Um, and that was a big hole in my game, I think too, especially like positional play, pawn play, um, you know, managing the activity of my pieces over the long term. Things like that were very out of my grasp at that time. Uh -huh. um, and, and, and something that um, I had to develop later on for sure. Like that was a big thing that I eventually kind of hit a wall and I was like, this is something I need to spend a lot more time on. Mm. Um, and, and because in the, a lot of the openings I was playing, the E4 attacks, like Vienna, Smithmore, stuff like that, it was like, I either attack and succeed and get a checkmate or I, mm. or it falls apart and I lose quickly. <laughs> it yeah. was very like binary 
games. Right. You're like so. positional understanding. Who needs that? This is called checkmate. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So where'd you turn when you decided like, uh, I guess I do need to work on strategy. Did you have any resources that you remember using that you thought were helpful? Yeah. Um, it's funny. I think given my affinity for openings, I, uh, I started looking more at strategic openings <laughs> to learn, yeah. um, to play. Um, so I, I finally got kind of a somewhat proper repertoire to play against D4, um, which was kind of like a Queen's Gambit declined type course. Um, and ultimately, this is a more recent development, but I also switched from being an E4 player with white to being a ready player. Um, yeah, I finally kind what? of hung up the cleats. Um, <laughs> and, uh, what did you lose, and, like uh, 800 rating points or something that day after you hung up E4? <laughs> all, all told, I definitely lost a couple hundred in the, yeah. the switchover, which is not fun at the time, but I kind of stuck it out. And and now I'm, I'm very happy that I did. Um, nice. But but yeah, so so picked up a repertoire that was a little more strategic. And I think ultimately what I'd like to do, right, is when I'm kind of done with with that, because that's still, still somewhat in process, take a step back and say, there's like the E4 will, there's the more strategic will. Mm-hmm having seen both now with a good amount of reps, what is actually the right path? So that's TBD. I would yeah. Say. Um, interesting question. Do you think there's a world in which both are the right path and you just kind of juggle both repertoires and you're like, well, kind of depending on my mood, uh, I'll choose one. I would love for that to be a viable path someday. Cause that would mean I'm good enough to, to do that yeah. <laughs> and kind of be more universal and toggle back and forth based on, like you said, mood or um, opponent or like whatever situation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a long way off for sure. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. When I switched to D4, it was like, okay, I'm a D4 player now. Like this is a big thing yeah. I'm trying to learn. I can't just keep <laughs> both of these repertoires all going at the same time. Mm -hmm. okay when you say the ready uh did you pick up like nate's 100 line course or was it um a, a different method i did i picked up nate's course um okay. which i've really enjoyed and i think is very well done um for for a number of reasons um it's very compact and digestible which was helpful for me right where going mm -hmm. from e4 to like um you know, like Sam Shanklin's 700 line, you know, Neo-Catalan. I, I tried it for a bit and I was like, I'm way too dumb for this. I don't even know what's <laughs> going on. Sam talks very fast. This is oh, not yeah. <laughs> like computing in my, my pea brain. Um, whereas the 100 lines, it was like, okay, this, um, this is a little more digestible. Um, mm -hmm. And I've also really liked how a lot of the lines are quite relevant. Um, mm. They do show up frequently in games and um, it feels like you're getting like a good bang for your buck, right? Where um, yeah. you're actually learning lines that show up versus, you know, maybe you learn like 700 lines and, you know, 50 of them show up or something. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, I, I've really enjoyed the course. Um, I think it's really well done. Excellent. Yeah, I, I think I would be... I, I would recommend to pretty much any club player that wants to switch openings that try to find a hundred line course in it. It's just so much more manageable. And even if you buy one of those lifetime repertoires, just look at the quick starter guide and just don't even leave that. Like the other thing <laughs> is just a reference manual in case you need it. Um, just, just stick with a quick starter guide. You'll, you'll be fine. Yeah. We're, we're not professionals here. We don't need the, the bigger piece of it. Okay. 
So you're getting some strategy through your newer repertoire that is more positional based. So like your strategy book is Nate Solon's ready course. In a sense, yes. Um, okay. And I do have a number of books, but I don't like, I would never sit down and read a chess book probably from start to finish, like, which is maybe like heresy or like a really bad thing to say, but I find them extremely helpful as a reference. Like if I have a question, I can't find an answer anywhere. I go to the bookshelf and like the answer is usually there, mm. but in terms of like investing my time as best possible, um, for whatever reason, the, the videos, um, move trainers, tactics, I've typically found those a little more useful than just sitting down and like reading a book. Yeah. I mean, I think people are different learners anyway, right? Video learner versus book learner. I don't think anyone's right or wrong. I think it's just important to figure out which one you are. Um, <laughs> I do think it's a really interesting thing that you're talking about with strategy and something I've been pondering a lot lately is like, if the goal, so like, it's, I think it's easy for adult improvers to be like, I want knowledge. I want to know all of the strategy. And then you you can talk about it, right? You're like, oh, yeah. I was thinking about a minority attack here in this Carlsbad structure. And you're like, wow, you know a lot about chess. And then it's like, okay, let's see. How would you have done that minority attack in the Carlsbad structure? And you're like, uh, I, I pushed the yep. B pawn, I guess, right? Yep. Like, like, it's an interesting question of, is it better to learn like that? Or is it better just to be like, I'm learning strategy as an outcropping of the of the games I'm playing and the openings I'm playing, and I'm learning the skill of these openings. I mean, of this of this strategy. Um, I don't know. I'm just really torn on that, and I'm trying to kind of wean myself off of this approach of like continuing to read more and more strategy books and knowing so much more and be able to talk so intelligently about chess and then losing all my games. <laughs> So it's just, it's such a tough thing to try to navigate, I think. Totally agree. It's a really interesting dynamic. Um, and it's funny because um, so much of this journey I, I did alone, um, for better or worse, probably for, for worse. Um, but I, I didn't have many people to talk to just about in general, um, ex except for my wife, who I definitely got pretty annoyed with it pretty quickly. But um <laughs> it was really just all about the play for me. It was like mm -hmm. anything I can learn, I, I want to learn it so I can compete and use it in these games and try to just better my play. Um, as much as I love just learning, even just like esoteric random things in chess, for me at least, it, it definitely tended towards um, the play. For yeah, reason. That makes sense. Um, one last thing we haven't talked about as far as like the different elements of chess is end games. Have you ever even watched an Endgame course on like opposition or anything? Yes. So Endgames are definitely the weakest part of my game overall, without a doubt. Um, like not not horrific, but definitely not good. Um, I've done like the first 10, like of the 100 Endgames you must know in that book. Okay. Um, good start. Which... I don't know. I made it this far using that. And, you know, it's like rule of the square opposition, yeah. like the basics um, mm. and have like a serviceable knowledge of those. But beyond that, there's very little. And it's mostly like intuition gleaned from a ton of games. But um, okay. that's where a lot of mistakes happen for me, for sure. 
Yeah, it's one of those interesting things as you switch to a more positional style. Um, yeah, you start hitting more end games. I know when I was an <laughs> E4 player, I was kind of like, I know opposition. I'm good, basically. <laughs> like, I don't care about the rest of the end game. And then when I switched to D4, I was like, oh my, my end game is very bad compared to these, you know, like 1800 positional players who've been, you know, playing D4 for the last 20 years. So yeah, that, that part was definitely challenging for me. Do you have any plans to try to dive deeper into the end game or is your plan kind of just what you've been doing, like slowly acquiring that uh, information just by playing games? Yeah, I think this year I would like to be a little more intentional on on end game study. Um, and that was definitely part of the thinking with getting like the ready you know opening and and having a little more strategic repertoire where it's like, even if I don't really always enjoy studying end games quite as much, playing these repertoires is going to force me to learn some of that if I want to play at a certain level. Um, so it's almost like an indirect way of forcing myself to learn some of the stuff I know I I need to learn. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So let let's let's recap so far the journey. So it's like 1750 or so you got there playing E4, doing some tactics within your openings, playing a lot of games, maybe watching some videos. Does that sound accurate? Yeah, and, and reviewing games. But yeah, reviewing games. Okay. Yeah. And then this the path from 1750 to 2000 has that been sort of being more intentional about your repertoire, switching to D4, um, sort of learning a little bit more about the strategy side? I, I think generally, yeah, that, that's that's a good characterization. Yeah. Um, and going a little deeper on some of the openings I had already been playing, like like with the Karakhan. Mm -hmm. um, and, and yeah, the 1750 to 2000 step, probably the biggest change was strategic positional um, work that in some ways, like some of the openings I'd played before, it allowed me to kind of like shortcut, right? Like with the Vienna, it's so dangerous at like lower levels. You just almost like bypass some of the stuff you need to learn down the road eventually. Anyway. Right. Okay. That's really interesting. So it was like making your chess understanding deeper is what got you from 1750 to 2000. And really what we can do is just, say Nate Solon's course will get you 250 <laughs> writing points. Like that's a pretty good advertising right there. He'll be excited. <laughs> okay. Well, you said a few times that you undertaking this journey alone. I'm curious why, what made, motivated you to have such a, a, a lone uh, wolf journey into chess? Yeah, I guess um, probably a couple things. I think one, um, just coming from a background where I, I didn't really know anyone who played chess, <laughs> you know, when I got into it, I guess there weren't many people I could text and say, Hey, I, I know you've played this forever. Um, I'm really into this too now. Uh, Want to chat? Like there weren't many of those like relationships. Um, I would say in school growing up, um, my kind of natural instinct with like a hard problem was typically like, you know, go off on my own and try to figure it out and then maybe come back to a group and talk about it. But the initial approach was almost always like focus deeply on my own. I need to understand this and figure it out. And it, it was like kind of a, a more independent approach, um, which is funny because as you get older with like careers and stuff, you find that like the collaborative approach is like generally like much better. And like that was something professionally I certainly had to evolve a bit. But um, mm -hmm. in terms of learning chess, that was still kind of probably like my 
um, initial approach. Yeah, um, that kind of makes sense. If you're like your method of learning is an independent one, then chess is a much the same, right? A lot of studying, a lot of learning. So you're going to default to what your normal is. Um, did you have uh, a very supportive family, at least? Like, was your family like, yeah, you reached 1700. Good for you. Or were they like, listen, man, we don't care. I would say I, I'm incredibly fortunate and grateful for um, having a family that was really supportive okay. um, and patient too, right? Because the reality of chess study and work is that it's it's at times you know, pretty um, you know, uh, independent and, and, and bordering on selfish. Like you have to be a little selfish with your time yeah. um, to learn these things, to improve. And um, sometimes that's like you're locked away for a couple hours and, and you know, pe people have been very supportive and patient of me with that. And I'm eternally grateful. That's great. Um, I'm going to ask you about a few questions that came up like in our uh, correspondence before the show. Uh, but one thing I read is that you believe that consistency is one of the most important things with chess improvement. Um, what has led you to believe that? Yeah. Um, if I'm just thinking back, I guess, to the, the journey itself, really for me, what this, the key takeaway of how I've gotten better is I've really kind of played almost every day for two years. Um, for 30 minutes, an hour plus, I've played and reviewed games. Um, I have not always studied my openings every day. I have not always done puzzles every day or tactics. I have definitely not done end games every day. Um, but what I certainly have done is play because I really love to play and, and study the games after um, while it's fresh in my mind. If even just for a minute, just to get something out of the game, that's a win. And if you do that hundreds of times over, you're taking small tidbits from many games played that can really compound. And I don't know. It's, it's also just with like, um, maybe it's like a sports philosophy growing up where um, I, whenever I was playing basketball or soccer, I always felt like I got the most out of the scrimmages in the games, like playing the games. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. If you want to get really good at bench pressing, like you probably need to bench press a lot. You need to do other things too, but like that yeah. should be a core part of your regimen. And um Consistent play, for whatever reason, has, has seemed to me to be um, the, the biggest driver of my improvement. Okay. Yeah, that, that seems reasonable to me. Um, another interesting thing you said that I'm curious about, and I don't know about myself if it works, but you said that learning something in parallel helps you learn even better chess. I'm curious what exactly you mean by this, and um, you know, how does that work for you? Yeah, um, this was one that kind of surprised me and was one that I really learned only in this journey. It wasn't something that I'd really um, come across in like my life before chess too much. But um, I've definitely hit many, call it like mental walls or rating walls or whatever through this journey. Like it's been very choppy. Um, there's been plenty of plateaus and um, it has not been um, like hyper linear or anything like that. And for whatever reason, one kind of like antidote to my own struggles at times was to find something interesting, oftentimes something related to an opening um, that would kind of energize me and excite me about learning um, the game. And for whatever reason, um, I would almost always see a, a rating jump after that. 
So I'll, I'll give like a hypothetical example. Like say I hit 1700, I'm stuck and I'm a little frustrated. I'm a little burnt out. If in parallel, like I started learning like a new line in a certain opening I play or, or even just maybe a new opening and I'm, I find that interesting. I was getting excited. My brain's like re-stimulated to learn. My next games in that coming like week or two would oftentimes go very well. And that 1700 would maybe go to like 1750 or 1800 even. Um, and it's funny, it's a counterintuitive. It's like, you're working even harder when you're kind of burnt out. Like, shouldn't you just be like even more tired and like suck even more? But um, I think just the excitement about learning something new would typically help me break through. Yeah, that's interesting. I thought you meant like a whole nother thing. Like when I get, when I get stuck, I learn piano and then I get better at chess. Oh no, it, it was typically chess related. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That does make a lot of sense to me. I, I do something very similar, right? Like I'll have some regimen I'm working on. And then when I start getting burnt out, I, I do something similar where it's like, I'm really curious about rook end gains or about some other weird thing that probably isn't going to show up in my game, but it's still somehow like gets the juices flowing again where I'm like, Ooh, now I'm kind of excited. And now I'm more focused when I'm playing because I'm just more excited to be doing chess things. So that, that makes a lot Definitely. of sense to me. Definitely. Um, you said yeah. something intriguing. You said uh, it's not always fun to be doing chess improvement. What do you mean by this? Chess improvement isn't always fun. We can't just eat the can cotton candy. We have to do the hard things too. Yeah. Yeah. I've... Uh... I definitely learned along this journey that um, there are some things you're just not going to love and that's totally fine. Even though overall it's been an awesome journey and I've, I'm, I'm grateful that I've been able to, to take the ride this far and really for everything I've learned. Like I'm so grateful to have this lifelong skill now that I didn't have it all two years ago. Um, but along the way, there were definitely times where I was like, Oh man, like I got to do this, you know? And, um, <laughs> You know, and, and usually it's stuff that's like maybe not as flashy or, um, you know, at surface level exciting, right? It's like, mm -hmm. I just got to get better at converting modest advantages of like, I'm plus one and I'm squandering that way too much. Like why, you know, like just stuff like that. That's not super fun, but it's, it is very fun when you get to reap the benefits um, mm -hmm. down the road. Right. And it's just kind of like delaying that gratification and fighting through it along the way. Do you remember any specific moments where you were like looking at something and you're like, oh, geez, this feels like a chore or work? There were definitely a couple endgame concepts that weren't immediately that intuitive to me that um, it was like, I just, I got to buckle down and learn this and it's not going to be super fun, but it's going to be worth it. And, and some conversion stuff for sure. Um yeah yeah probably those two i'd say okay. yeah. all right that's fair yeah um there's one part of your journey that seems and feels to me very mysteriously absent and that is over the board chess have you gotten a chance to like go to a club have you been to any big tournaments yet have you gotten to feel that side of chess yeah so this is a very recent um development for me hmm. at this point i've probably only played seven or eight over the board games ever. <laughs> um, and I started very recently and um, that's definitely a goal for this coming year and, and something I, I very much look forward to getting into um, much more. Um, I will say 
there were all sorts of crazy thoughts, emotions, whatever, flying around my head in that first over the board game yeah. where it, th- this game I'd been playing online almost religiously for a year and a half or more at that point when I played the first one, it became very real. I'm like, I'm sitting in person. There's a, there's a person across from me I can see. Yeah. It's not like some 12 year old in a foreign country with like, that might be cheating or something, you know, I'm like, <laughs> it's like, this is very real. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt really strange. Um, the longer time controls I was not used to at mm-hmm. all. Every move I wanted to like do my usual thing with like rapid, you know, where it's like qu- quicker calculation, quicker assessment, yeah. bang, 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 like managing the clock. And it was like, wait, I actually have this all this time. Like I can calculate much deeper. Mm-hmm. I can take a step back and really try to figure out what's going on. And that's something I'm still very much trying to figure out over the board where Mm. Um, my instincts are oftentimes like way too um, short time control um, centric. Do you find Um, the longer time controls to be rewarding then, or are they mostly just frustrating? I I actually really like it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. If it came across that I didn't, I, um, I very much do like it. I would say the first game, I almost felt like I was meditating (laughs) during it, which was Mm. awesome. Um, Cause I, I hear on like podcasts and stuff, oftentimes people are like, I played an open board tournament. I'm so drained. I'm so exhausted. It was so hard. And I came out of that game and some of these other games, like I felt great. I felt at peace, relaxed. Um, (laughs) Maybe if I lost, I wasn't super relaxed or at peace, but in general, I was in a really good um, state of mind. And it it was a really, um, it's so rare in our, like our day and age, right. To like spend a couple hours in silence thinking deeply. And um, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I do too. I find it to be both rewarding and relaxing, but then also tiring, right? Like my brain, if I'm calculating too much, gets tired. I I do these funny things where like I give my brain lots of breaks and I get up and I walk around and I purposely try to reset my brain and like, you know, stop it from going too deep because I I have a problem, Will, where I'll calculate like nine moves deep and it's like, (laughs) no, 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 don't do that. That's not the answer to your problems. The answer is calculating several moves, two moves deep. That is the answer <laughs> to your problem. So, um, yeah, but I, I can agree with that. What what finally got you out to over the board? Yeah, um, there definitely wasn't any um, like singular moments or anything like that. I um, I've now been meeting with a coach once a week, hmm. just for an hour um, for the last few months, and. He's definitely much more um, kind of over the board biased. He, he's like an older gentleman, a little more old school. Yeah. And um, he, he definitely advocates for more over the board. And th- I think that was helpful. And, and it was really good to, to get that. Um, so that's definitely one piece of it. Another piece of it is definitely just curiosity to, as I've gotten deeper into this, um, like that's the history of chess. That's how people have always played. Yeah, um, It's a very different feel for sure. And I was just curious. I wanted to try it out. Um, it, it was so funny. The first few games, like I could not have been more clueless. I, I barely knew how to like write down stuff. Cause, cause like chess.com does everything for you. Yeah. Um, the, like who, whose pieces you use and like how to use the clock. I was, you know, so far out of my element. Um, it was a big learning experience for sure. Yeah. I bet. Okay. It sounds like though it's been rewarding. Definitely. Okay. Well, my next question was going to be about coaching and you just mentioned it. Um, so you said you've been doing the solo journey and it sounds like it's been wildly successful. 
What made you think like, I need a coach now. I've only gotten to 2002 years. I need a coach. Yeah. So I I did get the coach a little bit before 2000, I would say, um, where it was maybe 1750-ish was around when I was um, reaching out to him. And um, it's kind of a funny story. He's he's a very well-regarded, almost like prominent coach in the United States, in the area I live. And um, I just Googled chess coaches in my area. I emailed him and was like, hey, um, I'm sure you only probably work with really talented children. Do you know anyone in your chess circles, though, that would work with a loser adult like me? (laughs) And he was like, actually, I would love to work with you, um, which totally surprised me and was very generous of him. Um, So... Part of it too was just, I was like, I can't pass up this opportunity. It's, uh, it seems really unique. Okay. And um, he's, uh, he's, he's been great to work with um, and really good to just, you know, what little I had learned before I met with him, it was really good to like test that with him and iron out the kinks. And, mm. you know, I was very much the like YouTube Gotham chess E4, like school of chess yeah. person, you know, and, he's helped balance out some of that with like, yeah, some of this is good. Some of this maybe could be refined a bit. That's cool. What uh, geographical area are you in? Yeah. I'm in kind of the mountain West region of the the U S. Okay. That's cool. And do you meet this coach like in person? Yeah, we do an hour in person every weekend at his house. That's really cool. I feel like that's how coaching was forever. And then COVID just like changed that for so many people. I know almost no one that does like in-person chess lessons. That just sounds so fun and fascinating to me to have a coach like (laughs) sitting across from you actually sharing space with you. So that that sounds Mm -hmm. really great. Yeah. Patiently waiting for me to figure out, you know, elementary things while he paces around the room. Yeah. Um. Well, I'm curious. It sounds like you've had this amazing run. You've hit 2000. What were your goals? And do you have any goals left? Like, was it your goal to hit 2000? Was your goal beyond that? Was it earlier than that? What What were your initial goals? Yeah. So when I was very first starting out, I had really poorly defined goals and was just like, I'll try to get better and see um, where this goes. Yeah. As I started to get a little bit more traction, um, I would say 2000 kind of became the main goal for last year. Okay. Um, whether having really kind of your only goal being rating based is if that's a good thing, I think is up for debate, but probably not maybe the best thing, but it, like it kept me very engaged and competitive and like yeah. it, it, it helped me get a lot better. Um, so I, I actually did not technically meet my goal. My goal is 2000 at the end of the year. I got it on January 2nd. So I was a couple of days late, but what a I'll, failure I'll you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So a, a little bit of a stressful holiday period, but we got there eventually. Okay. Um, and then going forward, I would say I'm, I'm kind of now back to like um, goal definition mode. Like what, what are the next goals going to be okay. and trying to figure that out. And I have some like, roughly fleshed out ideas like i definitely want to play more over the board i want to get better at some of these things that are still you know areas of weakness for me end games conversion Mm. kind of some positional some pawn stuff like some of these key areas to improve on um but i wouldn't be surprised if it ultimately ended 
for this year at least a goal being like some type of maybe an over the board rating goal um mm -hmm. and maybe actually a blitz goal potentially i'm just starting to try out blitz a little bit but now that i'm a little bit better at rapid it feels like maybe i i like to, to use your point earlier like i'm not quite as out of control in blitz as i used to be maybe i can give that a yeah. whirl. interesting okay so you don't have like that easy next linear goal of like now i want to be 2200 rapidchess.com you're you're sort of shifting and morphing the goals to other areas and other things yep for okay. now yeah yeah that seems like a healthy approach um all right well man what a what a great two-year run it's been for you uh I, it feels like the run that everyone would dream of and it's so fascinating to me how you did it it sounds like you just did it by playing the thing you like to do which is chess <laughs> And then looking at the games and 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 what a reasonable approach that is. And I know almost no adults have actually taken that very reasonable sounding approach, including myself, who has read like 40 chess books and maybe knows nothing about any of those books that they read. I don't know. That's a real mystery. I doubt that. But uh, well, but yeah, if um if anything, like I, I hope it can show people that you don't have to be some some rock star person with like some especially rock star process even either like yeah. i don't i don't think i'm i'm either of those um but just really enjoying the game and playing it a lot like definitely a lot a lot of play and review though that can actually take you quite far um and make pretty big strides so yeah it sounds like it sounds like consistency playing chess and looking at your games. I mean, it sounds like the piano analogy. How do you get good at piano? Is it about reading books on piano? Or is it about practicing at the piano? And I think we all know the answer to that. Um, you know, you just read books about piano and you magically get good. Yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> all right. Well, well, thank, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, I think this is one of these interviews that people are going to be talking about for a while and it's going to have a pretty big impact on some people's study plans i can see some people chucking their study plans now and being like you know what will's right i don't need this stinking book <laughs> well i i'm just one person to know very little but um i i do hope this is helpful for people and um yeah thank you very much kevin really enjoyed speaking all right well for all of you out there i hope this is that week where you get all of your ratings gained and everything goes great if it's not and it's a plateau or Whew, it's a pit of despair. Sorry if it is. Come back next week. We'll have another guest for you with some other ideas, some other recommendations. Until next time, I'll see everybody. Goodbye.